Okay, uh, this is Dr. Robert Marks, retired professor of surgery from the University of Miami Motor School of Medicine. Uh, on this podcast, I have labeled it rebound perversion, a theory that shouldn't be discounted. And it relates to recent events. Okay, everyone who has followed my podcast knows that I am an oral and maxillofacial surgeon. Although in the past 25 years, I focused on tumor and reconstructive surgery of head and neck tumors, there was a time I performed numerous orthognathic surgeries. Orthognathic surgery is known to the non-medical dental people as surgical orthodontics. Literally, we would reposition people's jaws so their teeth would fall on the line better and that uh, they would look better. Ortho means straight and in Latin and dontics means teeth. So as, or, whereas orthodontists straighten teeth out, oral and maxillofacial surgeons such as myself straighten the bone out, straighten the jaws out. So with that comes an improvement in a facial appearance, a balance, if you will. Some of the classic jaw deformities that my profession is well noted for are called dental facial deformities today. Uh, one of them is a lantern jaw, similar to what Jay Leno, the uh, comedian, has, but in a greater extent. The lower jaw overgrows, creating a forward jutting jaw and a severe underbite, as well as an unattractive appearance related on its severity. <clears throat> as I said, the comedian Jay Leno had a mild case of this, actually. Another classic jaw deformity that we have often treated is a severely undergrown lower jaw, resulting in a bird shin appearance with a crooked buck tooth in the, in the upper jaw appearance. Uh, and this has been carried forward in our television and movie industries to represent a geek and made to look silly with ridicule and unacceptance. <clears throat> there are many others where upper lower jaws don't match, created somewhat of an unattractive appearance. Now, such orthognathic surgery today is refined to pinpoint accuracy and prediction uh, and has taken many a wallflower or shy reclusive type personality to a normal appearance and actually attractive appearance, promoting normal peer relationships and beyond. I myself can recall one case of a young African-American woman with bulging eyes, buck teeth, and a wide face. She was a loner and not accepted by her workmates and others. Our surgery brought in her cheekbones, repositioned her orbits that are also eye sockets, and also her upper jaw. I and my whole surgical team at the time were astonished and of course delighted when she turned out after healing to resemble Diana Ross of the Supremes who was the most attractive and popular singer of that era. To this young lady's credit, she emerged as a self-confident woman who went on to marry a young man, pursue a career and a family. Uh, however, the rare and very real few rebounded in a different direction, taking their newfound good looks and self-confidence to a self-destructive level. That is, a few men began thinking they were God's gift to women, so to speak. They became abusive to women, failed in several relationships, got into the party scene overtly, and on into alcoholism and drugs. So although we achieved a very good functional and physical result, the emotional rebound turned out to be devastating to their future. A few women, on the other hand, took their new attractiveness to become promiscuous. Some even to the point of developing sexually transmissible diseases, 
multiple failed relationships, cheating on their spouses or their boyfriends, and getting into a similar party scene of alcohol and drugs. Uh, this is a real phenomenon that I have had and numerous colleagues have observed to varying degrees, but in a small percentage of cases of this type. But it does explain some of our recent natural crises that ask why, but never get an answer to why this individual either killed somebody or did some uh, significant felony or even committed suicide. Probably the most obvious example is the one Jared from Subway. Now, a recent three-part investigation by the Investigative Discovery Program brought to light several details of this overt pedophilia. Jared Fogel was the classic overtly obese geek teenager. He was significantly overweight most of his pre-puberty and puberty years and was over 400 pounds in his late teenage years and early adult years. He was a loner who dated rarely, if any at all, and didn't belong to any boys' organizations or participate in sports and was never popular with the girls. He gained national recognition when he lost 245 pounds and related that he accomplished such a dramatic feat by eating just two Subway sandwiches daily, one veg vegetarian sandwich and the other one which did have some protein meat in it. Of course, Subway Sandwich Corporation saw the perfect advertising campaign, and the media saw a perfect homespun boy story of resilience and the triumph of will by Jared Fogel. So therefore, Jared from Subway, as he became known, was a national symbol. He and his story went viral. He appeared at numerous lectures and town halls, advocating healthy lifestyles through eating right. He attracted large crowds, and now, although still portraying somewhat of a geeky personality, his slim looks and relatively nice features resulted in crowds of young women, all at his functions. He had his picture taken with numerous Hollywood celebrities. Many women from the uh, crowds he attracted had his picture taken with several sports figures, several high-powered businessmen, and even one with President George Bush. Well, during the height of his popularity, he first made romantic advances toward an attractive blonde married newspaper reporter who covered his story. Although she rejected his advances, they became close enough that Jared related his deep desires for and actually accomplishing acts on middle school girls aged 9 to 11. His revelations of coercion, molestation, and other physical sexual acts on such young girls triggered an FBI sting operation which we now all know turned out to identify over pedophilia. Jared Fogel, now in jail, serving 15-year sentence and repayment of over $1.4 million in fines and restitution, leaves many still with remaining questions. Maybe it's simply repressed sexual desires or perhaps pervert revenge. The interest he had or the crush he may have had on one or more of his middle school girl classmates may have left him with a desire to do as an adult what he fantasized about but could not do at an earlier age. Set aside as a non-participant in the pubertal interplay of rejection, acceptance, crushes, platonic relationships, and the trauma and joy of dating that most of us experience, he may have wanted to make up for lost time relive the time he missed, or get back at those that ostracized him 
and gave him such short shrift. This certainly was a rebound to his obesity and his being taken out of the normal social interactions that we all experience, both good and bad, during our pubertal years, teenage years, and early adult years. He never was able to cope with that, and he reverted to his pedophilia in one of these scenarios I just described. Now, of more recent newsworthiness is the Moscow-Idaho movement was allegedly perpetrated by the Washington State graduate student, Brian Koberger. In this high-profile murder case, uh, still yet to go to trial, three young University of Idaho women and one young man were murdered in the post-midnight hours in their off-campus house. Eerily similar, 28-year-old Brian Koberger was a loner with little interaction with girls during his pubertal and teenage years and even into his 20s. Unconfirmed news reports noted that Brian, too, was obese during most of his earlier years and had recently lost a significant amount of weight. Not as well investigated as the Jared Fogel case, but it is emerging that he reportedly drove by the house where the murders were committed in a stalking or planning scenario. With no known connections to any of the four. Uh, murder victims or the two living in the hospital were not at the time. The question therefore arises, why them and why at all? Everybody's asking that question. There may not be a great answer to this. Uh, we can project uh, with my uh, opinion coming up here is that Brian Kohlberg missed the dating scene throughout his high school, college and graduate school or fantasize about co-ed college girls, the likes of the two pretty blonde girls that investigators believe were the targets of his wrath. These two were often pictured on social media as partying and having a good time. They flaunted their good looks. The house that they rented was well known as a party house where people would come and go as an open party into the wee hours of the night. Therefore, can his alleged murderer be explained by jealousy, by revenge, were these girls the ongoing party, the type to which Brian Kohlberger was never invited? The answer is certainly yes, he can. Any of us who served in a major hospital emergency room can attest to the shallow and unbelievable reasons behind major trauma. Yes, revenge, payback, psychological trauma, acting out of fantasy, etc., have been behind many emergency room visits of minor and severe injuries, including leading to murder and death. Interesting enough, there's actually several precedents for this in the animal world. One poignant example is that the overgrazing and forays into farms by elephants in South Africa prompted the government to cull out certain troublesome herds. The killing of these elephants included only adult elephants in the herd. The juveniles were separated due to the pathos of not wanting to kill a young uh, elephant. Uh, and so uh, juvenile elephants aged one to around 12 years were released af uh, after being in orphanages and raised by humans. Uh, they were 15 to 18 years of age when they were released. The good news was that these elephants were spared and now could go on to lead a normal elephant life. The bad news was that these elephants did not need lead a normal elephant life. These elephants took revenge on rhinoceroses and killed many of a species already on the brink of extinction. They seemed to have a chip on their shoulder. 
What it turned out to be was that these elephants grew up as entitled and were never had to forage for food or go over long trips as elephant herds are known to do uh, to seek decent grazing. And they were never bis- disciplined for bad behavior by the matriarch of the herd or be kept in check or reminded of their place in the pecking order by older and larger male elephants. It seems a lack of experiencing rejection, discipline, and being controlled by bigger or older members of the herd resulted in those elephants reacting by taking it out on the rhinoceros population. It seems that the absence of normal growing pains we all experienced in our formative years, as stated in these two human examples, and in some people can be escalated into murder and perversion. We probably should all be grateful of the rejections that we experienced and the fact that uh, we went through the growing pains that we all did uh, during that time period, because it seems like some of the people, not everyone, who did not, and it was spared that, ended up with a psychopathology, some of which rose to the level of murder and perversion. Food for thought once again. Thank you for listening. I hope this had some uh, good meaning for everyone. Thank you. 